Suratul Mumtahinah Mumtahinah or Mumtahanah Both are correct pronunciations of this word Mumtahinah is one that puts to test One that examines And Mumtahanah She who is examined Or she who is put to test The woman who is tested so the surah is called Mumtahina and Mumtahana. Why? Because Mumtahina, one that tests, meaning in the surah are verses, are commands, prohibitions that really test our faith, our commitment to Islam. That really test our tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Reliance, ultimate reliance upon Him. And then the surah is also called Mumtahana, the woman who is tested because in this surah is the mention of women who are to be tested regarding their faith. Meaning, they are to be checked as in, are they really truly believers or are they not? Now, this surah is a Madani surah and it was revealed after Sulh Hudaybiyah. Remember Sulh Hudaybiyah, the treaty of Hudaybiyah, the Prophet ﷺ was going to Mecca in order to perform the pilgrimage, but he was prevented, and instead of the Muslims going for pilgrimage, what happened? A treaty was made with the Meccans. And so the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims, they returned to Medina, and the following year, according to the treaty, they returned in order to perform the pilgrimage. And... This surah was also revealed regarding the context of the conquest of Makkah. Because remember that Sulh Hudaybiyah, basically Sulh means peace. right? It was a peace treaty. It was an agreement that there would be no war, no battle between the Muslims of Medina and the Mushrikeen of Makkah. And remember that it was the Mushrikeen who had violated the treaty. And it was the violation of the treaty that led the Prophet ﷺ to Makkah in order to conquer it. Right? So the surah was revealed regarding that context. So let's look at the surah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. O you who have believed. La tatakhidu. Do not take up. Do not make. Adu we. My enemy. Wa aduwakum and your enemy. Do not take my enemy, meaning the enemy of Allah, and your enemy, meaning the enemy of the Muslims, do not take such people as awliya, as close protecting friends. Awliya is the plural of wali. And who is wali? Wali is not just someone whom you are cool with, or you're aware of them, or they're aware of you, you're acquainted with one another. No, wali is someone who grants protection. Someone who will come and defend you. So when they will defend you, what does it mean? You will defend them. They will share their private matters with you, like for example, their financial affairs, their financial situation, right? And you will do the same. This is wali. So do not take my enemy and your enemy as close protecting friends, meaning do not make them your allies seeking their protection. Do not do that. Why? Because who are they? They're your enemies. And who would seek protection from their enemy? Think about it. Logically, does it make sense to seek protection from your enemy? 
I mean, someone who doesn't even care about your life, someone who does not respect your well-being or your property or anything, your rights, would you seek protection from them? No, this would be foolish. So the Muslims are being reminded over here that لا تتخذوا عدوي وعدوكم أولياء Who is the enemy of Allah? The enemy of Allah is the person who shows animosity, enmity to Allah, to His Messenger, and to His Deen. Meaning someone who doesn't just reject Allah, or His Deen, or His Messenger, but he openly opposes the religion of Allah. Aduwakum, your enemy. Who is your enemy? The one who is an enemy to Allah. And this is true. Someone who shows animosity to your faith has shown animosity to you. Someone who hates you because of your religion or someone who hates your religion has shown hate to you. And isn't this true? I mean, how often does it happen that people will attack even or they will harm or threaten complete strangers? Why? Because that stranger bothered them? No, simply because they are showing by their attire or by their skin color that they belong to a certain group of people or ethnicity or religious group. Isn't it so? So, لا تتخذوا عدوي وعدوكم أولياء Do not take such people as your protectors. Tulquna, You extend. Tulquna from lam qafia ilqa is to throw, to fling. And what it means is that you offer. You extend. Ilayhim towards them Bilmawadda with love. You extend towards them love. Meaning lovingly, you offer them help. You want good for them. You care about them. These people who hate you, you care about them. And so you extend a helping hand to them. Or tulquna ilayhim bilmawadda. Bilmawadda can also be understood as because of mawadda. Because of love. What kind of love? Love for your family. Because even though they may be your enemies in terms of religion, these people might be related to you. And because of that reason, you offer them a helping hand. Whereas, these people are who? وَقَدْ كَفَرُوا While they have rejected, they have disbelieved بِمَا جَاءَكُمْ مِنَ They have disbelieved in that which has come to you of the truth. What is it that has come to you of the truth? The Qur'an. Your religion. So they reject it openly. And not just that, that they have rejected it, but they have also shown hostility. How? That يُخْرِجُونَ الرَّسُولَ وَإِيَّاكُمْ They expelled the messenger and also you. They expelled you from Mecca. They expelled the messenger وسلم, from Mecca. Why? What was the reason? أَن تُؤْمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ رَبِّكُمْ That you believe in Allah who is your Lord. This is the crime, according to them, because of which they expelled you and the messenger from Mecca. أَن تُؤْمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ رَبِّكُمْ So Allah says that إِن كُنْتُمْ خَرَجْتُمْ If you have gone out jihadan in order to strive فِي سَبِيلِي In my path, in my way وَبْتِغَاءَ مَرْضَاتِي And in order to seek my pleasure, مَرْضَاتِي مَرْضَات You may have heard of this word. It's from رِضًا رَضِيَ He was pleased. رِضَى To be pleased. مَرْضَات Pleasure. So you have gone out striving in my way 
And in order to seek my pleasure, what's the response of this statement? The response is not given here, but it's understood. That if you have truly gone out in my way, seeking my ultimate pleasure, then do not take these people as your protectors. Do not do that. Do not expect help from them. Rather, expect help from who? From Allah. Tusiruna ilayhim. Tusiruna, you confide. You keep secret. Ilayhim to them, bil mawadda, out of love. Meaning, you confide to them affection. You secretly harbor affection for them in your hearts. Or, you secretly inform them, you secretly cooperate with them, help them out of love for them. وَأَنَا أَعْلَمُ بِمَا أَخْفَيْتُمْ وَمَا أَعْلَنْتُمْ Whereas I know of that which you have hidden and that which you have announced. Whatever it is that you keep secret and whatever it is that you do openly, I know about it. How could you think that you could hide from Allah? وَمَن يَفْعَلْهُ مِنْكُمْ And whoever does that among you, does what? Does what? Extend help to your enemy, even if you do it secretly, out of love. You're extending this help to them. Whoever does this, فَقَدْ ضَلَّ سَوَاءَ السَّبِيلِ Then certainly such a person has strayed from the soundness of the way. سَوَاءَ السَّبِيلِ Correctness of the way. Meaning he has gone astray. Now there is a background to this surah, to this verse in particular. Right? And what is that? That Remember that after the Sulh Hudaybiyah, the Sulh Hudaybiyah, it stipulated that the Muslims could make alliances with any tribe and the mushrikeen could also make alliances with any tribe. So what happened is that there was a tribe, Khuza'a, Khuza'a tribe, they allianced with the Muslims. All right? And Khuza'a, the tribe of Khuza'a, for the past 100 years, they had been at war with the tribe of Banu Bakr. All right? So of course, their enemies, Banu Bakr, they allianced with who? Who do you think? The Mushrikeen of Makkah. So Khuza'a allianced with the Muslims and the Banu Bakr allianced with the Mushrikeen. Remember that Banu Bakr were pagan. And Khuza'a, there were many people amongst them who had embraced Islam. And even if they had not embraced Islam, they were in favor of the Muslims. How and why? We see that when the Muslims had come in order to perform Umrah and they had been prevented, there was a man who stepped forward, right, who initiated the conversation so that there would be no battle. And he was from the tribe of Khuza'a. Alright? Now you can imagine, after the treaty, that meant that Banu Bakr and Khuza'a could not fight. Correct? Because sulh meant peace, no war. Now, two years went by. And you can imagine, a people who had been at war for a hundred years, two years of self-control can be very difficult. Right? And on top of that, remember that many of these tribes, how they would make money is that they would raid one another. Alright? They would raid one another. They would just go and steal each other's property. So Banu Bakr, they had an idea. They said, we can't exactly fight. But what we will do is that at night, we will attack the Khuza'a. And you know what? We're not going to kill anybody. We're just going to take their property. That was the plan. So that they were not really, you know, going against the treaty. And at the same time, they would come back with a lot of money. But the plan got botched. What happened is that in the night, 
when they attacked, someone screamed out really loud. And the Khuza'a, they actually took up their arms, their weapons in order to defend themselves. Now, Banu Bakr expected the Khuza'a to be sleeping, right? But when somebody screamed and made so much noise, what happened? Everybody came out with their weapons. And so what was supposed to be just stealing turned out into a battle. And so over 20 people were killed. 20 people of Khuza'a got killed. Many amongst them were women and children. And what happened is that now the Banu Bakr, now that they realized that they basically had to fight the Khuza'a, they were fighting the Khuza'a, they just started attacking whoever they could find. And it is said that some of the people of Khuza'a, they actually, because they lived close to Makkah, right outside Makkah, they actually ran into Makkah in the Haram in order to be in the sacred place so that their lives would be safe. But the Banu Bakr did not even respect that. It is said that one of the people from Khuzar, as he ran into the Haram, a man from Banu Bakr chased him. So the man from Khuzar reminded him that, look, I am in the Haram. And he completely disregarded that, ignored that, and killed him in the Haram. Now this was a major violation of the treaty. So what happened? The Khuzar, they went to their allies, the Muslims in Medina, in order to seek help. So it is said that about 40 men, they made their way to Medina, and they went to the Prophet ﷺ, and they asked him for help. And the Prophet ﷺ assured them that the Muslims would help them. And in order to do that, the Prophet ﷺ sent word to Makkah, Abu Sufyan. Remember that now Abu Sufyan was the main leader. So he sent word to him and he said that you have to pay the blood money, right? And basically take care of all of the damages and cut your ties with the Banu Bakr because they have violated the treaty. So you have to do two things. You have to cut your ties with the Banu Bakr and you have to pay for the blood money to the Khuzar. And if you do not do that, then consider the treaty of Hudaybiyah terminated. Now this was a big deal. Because if the mushrikeen cut off their ties with Banu Bakr, then what would happen? They would have no allies. You understand? Because Banu Bakr were one of the largest pagan tribes. Alright? So if they would cut off their ties with Banu Bakr, that would mean they would have no allies. And secondly, that blood money was a huge sum. So Abu Sufyan refused. And he decided that, you know what, I'm going to go to Medina. And I'm going to talk to the Prophet I'm going to negotiate with him. So he went to Medina. And he went and he met the Prophet And he spoke to him. And you know what the Prophet said in response? Nothing. Nothing. So Abu Sufyan tried many times to get something out of the Prophet But the Prophet did not respond to him. So he went to Abu Bakr. And he went to Umar. And the same thing happened. He went to Ali radiallahu anhu. Abu Sufyan asked him that you advise me. So Ali radiallahu anhu said that how about you go into the masjid and you ask people that somebody should grant you protection. Because if one of the Muslims grants you protection, that means that none of the Muslims can wage war against you. Alright? So Abu Sufyan liked that idea. So he went to the masjid and he said, who would grant me protection? Now, this is Abu Sufyan, Qurayshi. Big guy, big leader, rich man. He is asking the Muslims, can anyone protect me? And who protected him? Nobody. So Abu Sufyan got really scared. 
And he went back to Makkah empty-handed. And he knew that something bad was going to happen now. So what happened? After a couple of weeks, the Prophet ﷺ, he told the Sahaba, get ready for an expedition. What expedition? Where are we going? You're not going to be told. Abu Bakr who even did not know. He went to Aisha anha and he asked her, do you know what the plan is? And she said, not a clue. No idea. So basically the Muslims were getting ready for some expedition and they had no idea what it was going to be. And then as they're getting ready, the day before the departure, one day before the departure, the Prophet ﷺ informed them, we are going to Makkah. Now, why did the Prophet ﷺ, you know, he kept this such a secret? What was the reason? Because he didn't want the news to reach Makkah. Because if the news would reach Makkah, what do you think the people of Makkah would do? They would pick up their weapons, right? The Banu Bakr would come, and then it would be a full-out battle. And the Prophet ﷺ did not want that. This was holy land. This is sacred place. You're not supposed to fight there. So one day before the departure, the Prophet ﷺ told the Muslims. Now what happened? There was a Sahabi named Hatib ibn Abi Baltah. Alright? Now Hatib anhu, he was from Makkah. So he was a muhajir. And Hatib anhu was not a Qurayshi. In fact, he was of, you could say, second class citizens. Because his family was previously slaves from Yemen. They were previously slaves, alright, who had come from Yemen. And then they had been set free or they had bought their freedom. They were settled in Makkah. But basically they didn't really have any status. Now, Haltab radiallahu anhu was a little worried for his family. He thought that if there is a battle, right, then his family would be in danger. Because they didn't really have any protection from a big tribe. So he thought, how about I do the mushrikeen a favor so that they owe something to me. And as a result, I would demand that they protect my family in Makkah. And he decided to inform the mushrikeen of Makkah about the intention of the Prophet ﷺ. Now you can see, when is this happening? The day before the departure. So he hired a woman. She was also a freed woman, so not really someone of great status that if she's traveling, people would wonder where is she going. Just an ordinary woman. He hired her, gave her a letter right, to deliver to the Quraysh, and that letter basically had in it the plans of the Prophet ﷺ. who gave the woman the letter, and she hid it in her hair. I don't know how she did that, but somehow she managed to conceal it in her hair. Alright? And she made her way to Makkah. As she's going to Makkah, Jibreel came and informed the Prophet ﷺ, who sent Ali radiallahu anhu to go find the woman, and he did, and he brought her back to Medina. Now that woman had no idea what the contents of the letter were. She didn't have a clue. She was just smuggling something into Makkah, that's it. So when the Prophet ﷺ asked her, she didn't have a clue. So she was set free, but the letter was confiscated. And Hatib radiallahu anhu was brought. And when he was brought, Umar radiallahu anhu, he requested that he be granted the honor to assassinate Hatib radiallahu anhu, for he had betrayed the Muslims. But the Prophet ﷺ said, no, let's hear him. And Hatib radiallahu anhu was asked, that why did you do this? And he said, I have not left my Islam, nor have I intended to cheat you or betray you. 
nor do I have any hypocrisy in my heart. I knew that Allah would grant us victory. Because it's not possible that the Messenger of Allah is going somewhere and Allah will not grant him victory. Basically what he's saying is that no matter what I would do, the Muslims would win at the end. Right? This is something that was definite. I just wanted to do something to protect my family. This is the only reason why I did this favor. I wanted to do this favor to the mushrikeen so that they would protect my family. That's it. As far as my Islam, my iman is concerned, then there is no doubt I'm not leaving Islam. I have no intention to do that at all. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said that Hatib has spoken the truth. He has spoken the truth. And remember that Hatib was from the people who had participated in Badr. And the Prophet ﷺ reminded the people that Allah has said regarding the participants of Badr that do what you wish, for I have forgiven you. I have forgiven you. So Hatib was let go. And this surah was revealed concerning this matter, especially these verses. That all you who have believed, do not take my enemy and your enemy as protectors. What are you doing? It doesn't make sense. Someone who has shown clear animosity to you for all these years, why are you seeking their protection? You are doing this out of love for them, or love for your family, whereas the fact is that these people have openly rejected your faith, and they have expelled you and the messenger from your hometown. Why? Because they simply do not like your iman. That's the reason. So if you have gone out in my way, seeking my pleasure, then who should you be expecting help and protection from? Me or my enemy? From Allah. You understand? If you're going out in the way of Allah, who is it that you should be expecting help and protection from? Your enemy? No. Allah. You could hide in your heart love for them, affection for these people, but remember that Allah knows what you conceal and what you expose. And whoever does this among you, then he has gone astray. So in other words, never ever repeat this. Do not do this. إِن يَثْقَفُوكُمْ إِن if يَثْقَفُوكُمْ They gain dominance over you. Meaning the mushrikeen, if they ever get the upper hand over you, يَثْقَفُوا from ثَقَفَ ثَقْفَ is to meet with and get hold of someone, be victorious over them. If your enemy, meaning if the mushrikeen, ever get the upper hand over you, what do you think they would do? They would be friendly with you? No way. يَكُونُوا لَكُمْ أَعْدَاءً They would be to you enemies. Plural of the word adu. They would remain your enemies. They would show enmity to you. وَيَبْسُطُوا إِلَيْكُمْ and they would yabsutu extend ilaykum to you aidiyahum their hands wa alsinatahum and also their tongues yabsutu from basata basata is to expand something right law basata allahu rizqa if allah expanded the provision and over here yabsutu ilaykum they would expand towards you meaning extend towards you their hands and their tongues with what with evil bisu Meaning, if these mushrikeen ever get the upper hand over you, they would spare you no harm. They would use their tongues and their hands to injure you. They would use words to hurt you. 
and they would use all their might and power to harm you. لَوْ تَكْفُرُونَ And they love, they just want so badly, that if only you would disbelieve. Meaning they want you to leave your religion. That is their ultimate goal. So in other words, the Muslims are being taught over here, that don't be so naive concerning your enemy. They're your enemy. They have always shown animosity to you. And they will continue to do so, no matter what favor you show them. I mean, look what happened over here. A treaty was made, and think about how much the Muslims compromised in this treaty. Isn't it? Remember the terms of the treaty? How upset Umar anhu was? That why do we have to agree to this? This does not help us. It harms us. But the Muslims compromised. Right? And then who is it that violated the treaty? It was the mushrikeen themselves. So the Muslims are being reminded that what do you think will happen next time? If ever these people get some power over you, they're going to show enmity to you inside out because their hearts are full of hatred for you. وَوَدُّوا لَوْ تَكْفُرُونَ لَن تَنْفَعَكُمْ It shall never benefit you. What will never benefit you? أَرْحَامُكُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُكُمْ Neither your arham nor your awlad. Arham, plural of rahim. What is rahim? Womb. And what it refers to is blood relations. Awlad, plural of walad, children. Your blood relations and your children, they will not help you. Meaning, you extended this helping hand to the mushrikeen. Why? Because of who? To protect who? To protect your children. You made such a huge compromise for whose sake? For the sake of your family. But this family, are they going to help you? No, they're not going to help you. يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ On the day of judgment, يَفْصِلُ بَيْنَكُمْ Allah will judge between you. Or separate between you. Meaning you people will be separated on the day of judgment. And this is true. So many times we are taught in the Qur'an that on the day of judgment, a person's family will not come to his aid. يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ In Surah Mu'minun, Ayah 101, Allah says, فَإِذَا نُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ فَلَا أَنْسَابَ بَيْنَهُمْ When the trumpet will be blown, then there will be no relationships. Meaning all those relationships, worldly relationships, will be terminated. People will avoid each other. They will run away from each other. A father will not come to shelter his daughter. A mother will not come to defend her son. No, this is not going to happen. يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يَفْصِلُ بَيْنَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرٌ And Allah is of whatever you do, all seeing. So what do we learn in these verses? Hatib ibn Abi Balta radiallahu anhu, he did what he did with iman, meaning he didn't lose his iman, right? He didn't mean to cheat or betray the Muslims. He did what he did knowing that Allah will grant victory to his messenger. Correct? But whatever he did was not correct. Even if the intention was good, it was not correct. Why was it not correct? Because the problems over here were many. Firstly, we see the problem in the fact that he was seeking protection from the enemy. Seeking protection from the enemy, what does that mean? That I don't have any protection. Right? So it's as if, you know, when a person is reaching out to his enemy for help, it's as if he's thinking that his Lord is not going to help him. So this is a problem. 
why would you reach out to such people knowing that they hate you and your religion and your Lord and everything about you? Don't you have Allah to protect you? Don't you have Allah to protect your family? So firstly, we see over here that this is a test of our commitment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And yes, there are many times when we are put in similar tests also. Where we may have to compromise or we may be asked or we may think that if we do make a compromise in terms of our religion, other people will favor us. But are they going to favor us? No, they're not going to favor us. Just the other day a friend was telling me about one of their acquaintances and he was working in a big company and their boss, basically they said that, you know, you got to get rid of your beard. Okay? And he said, okay, you know, he thought about it for some time and he cut it a little short and then, you know, now beards are fashionable, so no problem, right? But just a little while ago, they were not fashionable. All right? So, and in the corporate world especially, in certain places, it was not fashionable at all. You see, here, you know, everybody can do whatever they want. But in certain countries, you know, it's like if you have a beard, then you're a very religious person. All right? And you may be very ignorant also. So, in order to fit in, what did he do? In order to maintain and secure his job, he said, okay, fine, I'll just... You know, reduce it. I'll cut it shorter, 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 shorter until eventually the entire beard was gone. And what happened is that he stopped going to the masjid, he stopped socializing with the people because there would be too many questions or too many stares and he felt uncomfortable. And then what happened after a couple of months? He got fired. He lost his job even. Because the boss thought that it was the religiosity of this person, the outward religiosity of the person right which had to go away but the problem is that this man perhaps was racist after all right or he just had a problem with Asians or people of that culture or that religion that he just didn't want anybody like that in his company so many times we are also put in a position where we may be asked openly or in a very subtle way to make certain compromises in our religion but if we do make those compromises then is that okay no it's not okay because whose help are we seeking here? Who are we trying to please over here? And who are we forgetting over here? Have you forgotten that Allah is your Lord? Why are you running after these people? So your Lord is Allah. Trust in Him and expect good from Him. And another very important lesson we learn from these verses, from this incident, is the fact that even good people can make very bad decisions. Because they're human. They're human. Hatib ibn Abi Balta radiyallahu anhu was a Badari companion. Imagine, he had done hijrah, left his family back in Mecca. He had participated in so many battles. And when he sent that letter, he knew that Allah would grant victory to the Muslims. But this was a bad decision. Well, because he was human. And the Prophet wasallam did he forgive Hatib radiyallahu anhu? Yes, he did. And he said that no one should say anything bad about him. He prohibited the Muslims from even talking about him in a bad way. So we should also have a big heart that if somebody has made a mistake, or we think that they have made a very bad decision, a very seriously wrong decision, then how should we be towards them? Should we cast them out completely, cut them off completely? Or have a big heart and accommodate them somewhere in our heart?
Even good people can make bad decisions. So learn to overlook. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who will judge. We are not the ones to judge. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses and then we'll continue. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu la tattakhidu aduwi wa aduwakum awliyaa tulquna ilayhim bilmawaddati wa qad kafaru bima jaakum minal haqqi yukhrijuna arrasula wa iyyakum an tu'minu billahi rabbikum in kuntum kharajtum jihadan fi sabili wa ibtigha'a mardati تسرون إليهم بالمودة وأنا أعلم بما أخفيتم وما أعلنتم ومن يفعله منكم فقد ضل سواء السبيل إن يثقفوكم يكونوا لكم أعداء ويبسطوا إليكم أيديهم وألسنتهم بالسوء وودوا لو تكفرون لن تنفعكم أرحامكم ولا أولادكم يوم القيامة يفصل بينكم والله بما تعملون بصير Anything you'd like to say? Yes. Assalamualaikum. You know when you mentioned that even good people can make bad decisions, I've heard many children say that my parents made such a bad decision and I hate them so much. So, and I was just like why are you saying that towards your parents you know they're your parents after all but like you know after all we are all humans right yes sometimes people do make bad decisions and we all make bad decisions nobody's perfect in life but to say those kind of things about your parents or somebody so immediate it's so sad nowadays people say that so easily the thing is that when it comes to our parents or certain people in our communities and our societies we hold them you know at such a high standard that we forget that they are human i remember the first time i heard the story i was like wow why was he forgiven because things are either supposed to be black or white right it's either you're perfectly right and if you make you know a slight mistake even that's it you're doomed there's no repentance for you right there's no going back but this is amazing something that we must remember in our religion that people or in life that people are people they're weak and yes they will make mistakes and sometimes they will make really bad decisions and you wonder why did they do this well they did it because they are human when we hear that so and so did this or so and so did that or so and so is having you know some issues in their family or that person had issues in their family we think oh they're not really a good role model for us well they are human and this is something we need to remember In the beginning I was wondering like why the surah is called mumtahina the examiner or the one who examines 
And um, this story is a huge reflection of that because even in Surah Mujadida we learn that you could come to the Prophet ﷺ with your complaints and seeking protection or seeking help for something, but it's only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that can help you at the end of the day. And you see what happened. The Prophet ﷺ, when he went into Mecca, he conquered it immediately. There was no battle, nothing. People were safe. There was general protection given that whoever would go into the haram would be protected. Whoever would go into the house of Abu Sufyan would be protected. You're not protected because you belong to a certain tribe or you have alliances with some people. You'll be protected if you go to the haram. So that protection was given by Allah. So this is something we also need to remember that when we are in Allah's way, then who is it that we should seek protection from, with? It is Allah. Whose help should we expect? Allah's help. I like how Rasulullah he said, do not talk about him. I remember Hassan al-Basri also, once I read about him, and he was saying, I meet people, they used to have Ayyub fault, and they be quiet. Other people say Ayyub, Allah covered their Ayyub. And I meet people, they used to not have Ayyub, they start talking about other people's Ayyub, Allah exposed their fault. Again, this is also something we need to remember, that when we learn about the faults of others, or the problems, or the bad decisions that people have made, let's not talk about it. Remember that, you know, the controversy that happened between the companions, there was basically battles that were fought later on, because of some differences. And later a scholar was asked about it, and he said that, you know, this was a trial that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected us from. In the sense that we didn't have to be there to choose between this group of sahaba or that group of sahaba. Allah protected us from participating in it. So let us now protect our tongues from delving into it. Because if we will talk about it, then again, we will commit some kind of mistake. We will commit some kind of sin. So let's protect our tongues. Alaikum. Like sometimes when we compromise our uh, life for the work of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we said, oh, because of this work I will get it. It's not always we will get what if we left the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We all remember the story of Jewish, uh, the big company which is uh, interviewing a lot of the people. And it's very hard to get the job. But finally they interview one of the Muslim man and when they asked him the question they said okay I heard you guys Muslim you have to go for Jumeir uh, prayer you have to pray five times how are you going to do it during my work which is I don't want any interruption he said they said oh I will think I would, uh, when I go home I will pray or do something all this stuff but after at the end of interview when all the results came the person did not got the jobs the reason why they said if you are not honest for your God how are you going to honest for me so that the only reason they did not get the job because they said, okay, I will be do something for praying in order to get the job. So sometimes it's not going to be coming. Yes. Very true. That often when we make compromises in hopes of getting what we want, it's not necessary that we'll get what we want. Right? And the story that was shared about that, you know, this company in which people applied for certain jobs and, you know, every time a Muslim was interviewed, they would be asked about their prayers. And that Muslim would say, you know what, it's okay, don't worry about my prayers. Meaning, I'm not really a person who prays regularly. And he would never get that job. Why? Because the boss would say that if you're not loyal to your God, how are you going to be loyal to me? If you're not faithful and committed to your religion, how can I expect that you'll be faithful and committed to me? 
Assalamualaikum. I was thinking, um, you know how they caught the lady and they had clear proof of Hatib not being right and they could have just dealt with him right there and then. But it's still Prophet Muhammad said, I want to listen to his story. So sometimes it happens that things are very clearly wrong and we go and we judge people or situations, but it's better to think about it before we make any quick decisions. Umar who asked for the permission, right? in order to execute Hatib who right there and then, but the Prophet ﷺ did not let him make that uh, hasty decision. Right? And he said, let's find out. And there's always more to the story. You know, something that is clearly wrong, sending a letter to the enemy, informing them of the plans of the Prophet ﷺ. I mean, is there anything right about this? Is there anything right about this? Nothing right about this. It's 100% wrong. But still, the Prophet ﷺ asked Hatib to give an explanation. To tell him about why he would do such a thing. And this is also our responsibility. That when we see somebody doing something clearly wrong, and we dislike them for it, or we dislike their choices for it, before we do anything, let's find out. And you see Hatib his explanation, I mean from his perspective, he made a good decision. He knew that the Muslims would not suffer. Allah will grant victory, right? And he just wanted to do a favor to the mushrikeen so that they would pay him back for the favor by protecting his family.